This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Hi, welcome to the Evan Roberts podcast. I'm Evan Roberts. I'm in a very crappy mood today because uh, if you're a football fan, you know that the Jets, you know, they came home, the home opener, everybody's excited, and they crapped the bed. But the reason I'm here is because ever since I started this podcast, I have done an instant reaction to every wrestling pay-per-view, the big ones, the mediocre ones, the ones no one gives a crap about. And I kind of have this weird thing where... I can't stop. It's like a drug. And because I committed to having that be one of the staples of this dopey thing, even though tonight the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view was going up against a giant cowboy game that I'm watching every second of, and I will talk about the next day on the radio, and it's a football Sunday, and I've been in front of a TV all day, and this is the time of year where wrestling takes a real backseat. Despite all of that, I felt an obligation to you that sounds so corny no but i really did i felt this obligation that hey i started doing this at wrestlemania it's kind of fun you know i come on i turn the mic on i talk for a few minutes about wrestling something i don't normally do on the air and i didn't want to give it up even though the schedule said don't do this tonight watch giants cowboys so let me just take you through how this day is shaped up for me and i'll give you my breakdown on hell in the cell obviously i watched the jet debacle all right, I watched everything in the 4 o'clock game. You know, watching the Patriots get their ass kicked was a lot of fun. Oh, goody, we had another tie in the NFL. And we'll talk all about it on the midday show throughout the week. The Giant-Cowboy game was on the main TV with the sound, and I had the hell in a cell on on a side TV that I have with no sound. So I watched this pay-per-view with zero sound, except for the occasional moment where I would unmute it and just listen because maybe the other game was at a commercial. Or something like that. So I didn't have the great attention to this pay-per-view that I would normally have for most other pay-per-views. When what, What's it competing with? Sunday Night Baseball. The Hell in the Cell pay-per-view ended earlier than most of these other pay-per-views have ended. It ended at about 10.35, 10.40. And so I decided to pause the Giant game and do the podcast now because God knows the mood I'm going to be in at 11.45. It's probably going to only get worse. You know, more time to think about the Jet game, more time to sit through this pathetic giant offense, which could change by the time you listen to this. Who knows? I paused it at 13-3. Jalapeno just went out with an injury, so God knows what's going to happen after that. But I figured, let me do this while I'm fresh. I get to skip the commercials. I get to skip Al Michaels' BS, and then I can finish the giant game. So that's the kind of commitment I'm giving you, the loyal listener, 
of the Evan Roberts podcast. So let's talk Hell in a Cell. And I may intermingle comments about Terrell Pryor's head being up his ass. I may intermingle with the jet run game being a disaster and some of the play calling being awful. I may intermingle the fact that Todd Bowles kind of reminded you that he's Todd Bowles and the Jets kind of reminded you that the, the Jets. And, you know, can I just say this? I just have to say this. I, I don't want to do the whole I told you so thing because I never do it. There are many times I don't want to be right. I don't want to be right about the Jets, but they are so freaking predictable. Yet so many people, Jet fans, non-Jet fans, everybody, they fall into this trap. Even Joe kind of fell into it. This false sense of hope. This is what they do. I mean, don't you remember the AFC title game? That whole week after beating the Patriots, it, you could just smell it from a mile away. You could smell this disgusting effort from a mile away. And if you didn't, you're an idiot. All right, let me get to the wrestling. First of all, the red Hell in the Cell, what the hell's up with that? I mean, do we really need it to be very red? And I'll tell you, there was only two Hell in the Cell matches. My opinion on the red was this. When they had the, um, the what's it called? When they had the camera inside, it didn't bother me as much. Because you're inside the Hell, the Cell, you know, you're seeing them wrestling, it's fine. When they gave you the view away from it, it was very distracting, I must admit. Now, I don't mind difference, you know, trying to change things up a little bit, but my eyes were kind of like bleeding at times. The Orton-Hardy match, I got to tell you, if you've listened to me discuss Randy Orton and Jeff Hardy in this feud, the last couple of wrestling podcasts I've done, I basically told you I don't care. I just, I don't care about Randy Orton. I don't care about Jeff Hardy. They wrestled a decade ago. Why am I supposed to care about this? I will tell you, I think this was the best match of the night. And it probably was the best match because of the ending. I just thought the ending was very creative. And I know that's what Jeff Hardy does. Jeff Hardy falls from things. He falls on the tables. He's been doing it for a decade and a half. And, and sometimes it gets old. But I don't think it got old in this case because I thought this was different. You know, there's been so many Hell in the Cell matches and so many hardcore matches and so many TLC matches that you almost run out of things. I thought this was creative and this was different. Him falling, you know, swinging from the top of the cell and then falling to the ground. Of course he missed. And, of course, Randy Orton won. That was predictable. It was kind of odd when the ref didn't want to make the count. Then they took Jeff Hardy off on a stretcher. But the reason I'm starting with that, because I usually don't go in order of matches. I start with the headline. And I'll get to the headline in a second. I just was surprised that that match, and maybe it's because it was early, and maybe it's because the Giant came hadn't started. You know, maybe my biases had something to do with it. I thought it was the best match of the night. Now, let me get to the ending. I, I will give the WWE this. I was stunned by the ending, and I think everybody was stunned by the ending. I think the fact that Brock Lesnar showed up again when we all assumed we were never going to see his face again. We were never going to see it again, and if we did, it was going to be a year down the road you got to give the WWE credit for a stunner. And, you know, I had the main event on, and I thought the main event had a lot of issues, which I'm about to discuss. And, you know, I'm seeing the, the four schmucks climb to the top of the cell. I guess they were honoring Mick Foley by doing that. And then to see Brock come out, it was a stunning moment. And I say this before, that's all you can ask for. You want something to surprise you. And really nothing about tonight was very surprising. So to see Brock come out and, you know, Paul Heyman mace 
<laughs> he maced Dean. Was it Dean Ambrose he maced? Who did he mace again? Yeah, I think it was Dean Ambrose. That was kind of funny. Uh, Paul Heyman just macing people randomly. Here's the negative with all of this, though. There's two negatives. Number one, they took the easy way out of this main event. I mean, I, I think you could tell they didn't want Roman Reigns, obviously, to lose the title. That's obvious. They didn't want Braun Strowman to lose because he's been built as this monster. And so I figured they were going to have an ending where, you know, the, the four schmucks who came out anyway, uh, what's his name, Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, Dolph Ziggler, and McIntyre, that they'd get involved, you know, somehow they'd call Strowman. It'd be a cheapy victory for Roman Reigns. That's what I figured, especially since it was ending the night. It was hell in the cell. What are you going to do? But by having Brock come out and beat the daylights out of everybody, they caught the easy way out because they didn't have to have an ending to this match. And then the, the money in the bank has been completely wasted. I was never against using the money in the bank to, to get a title match. But now it just feels like a colossal waste. So that's issue number one. But the other issue is, where are you going with this? I mean, is Brock going to fight? Now, obviously, you're not going to put the belt back on Brock. We get that. But is Brock fighting when? Survivor Series? They're not putting him in that stupid Australian show. So, I mean, that would be my only guess, that Brock actually signed on surprisingly for another match, and you book a triple threat match, and, you know, hopefully Brock takes the pinfall. Because there's no point of him looking strong anymore. I mean, I really think it's run the course with Lesnar. So, I mean, that's the only thing you can do. You can't have Brock do this and not wrestle anytime soon. So my guess coming out of this is there's your main event for Survivor Series. They'll have a triple threat match between Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman, and Brock Lesnar. And Roman will defend it, and he'll go over Brock Lesnar. And, and it's stunning. I mean, I stand by that. You know, it's easy to say what a crappy ending. And I think a part of it, a part of me thinks it was crappy, but they did give you the big surprise of Brock Lesnar walking through that door. None of us thought he was ever walking back. And, and the one positive, if they do this, is I didn't like the ending to SummerSlam. I mentioned that when we did our SummerSlam podcast that, you know, you built Brock up for all these years. When he loses, when he loses the title after a year and a half, it had to be a more dramatic, conclusive ending. And I never thought the ending to SummerSlam was very conclusive. And this is me saying this is not even being a Roman Reigns fan, but understanding the whole point was they were going to put Roman Reigns over. Okay, fine. Then beat Brock Lesnar clean. Don't have there be a cheapy ending. So maybe this does set up Roman, even though it's a triple threat match, going over Lesnar clean. And so what you can do with that is you can... Keep the belt on Roman. You can keep this Strowman-Reigns feud going and not make anybody look weak. Because in this main event, boy, did they make Brock look good. I mean, I'm sorry, Roman Reigns look good. I mean, Jesus. You know, Braun Strowman's body slamming him. He's throwing him onto this. He's throwing him onto that. He's beating the crap out of him. And, of course, you got to make Roman look strong, and he's kicking out of everything. One other observation about this match. Kill the Superman punch. It's stupid, and it never works. And what was the point? I mean, I guess they're just trying to honor Mick Foley and they're trying to promote the fact that they had that special on WWE Network where Mick Foley's talking about the 20-year anniversary of the Undertaker match. I mean, geez, you put him in the mat. What was the point of him being the special guest referee? You know, I I'm all for nostalgia, but there's got to be a point to things. There's no point to it. And I'll say this about Mick Foley, and I've said this before, I know this is unpopular, but I'll quote Ric Flair. Mick Foley's a glorified stuntman. I mean, that's really all he is. 
That's Holy, yeah. You know, we're honoring for him for this match against The Undertaker. Come on. All he did was fall off the cell. And I'm not saying all he did is in it's no big deal. I know it's a big deal. But he's a stuntman. He didn't even win the freaking match. So I always say the conclusion to a, a pay-per-view is that taste you have in your mouth. My taste after this main event was they took the easy way out. They wasted money in the bank. But they really, really really surprised me and they did by having Brock show up because no internet website no rumor unless I was just ignoring it all day Sunday because I was I was watching football uh nobody said Brock was coming back so from that standpoint I was surprised a couple of the other matches from this event tonight uh Becky Lynch against Charlotte I was a little surprised that they put the belt on Becky I thought that Charlotte would have an extended run for a while but you know what they're doing the fans a favor. The fans don't like Charlotte. I can't. I, I got to tell you, I can't stand Charlotte. I don't know what it is. I don't like her look. I don't like, you know, the, the faces she makes. I think she's an okay wrestler. Okay, she's a good wrestler. I just, I think she's a terrible actress. I don't think she's that good. I think there's about five or six or seven women's wrestlers that are better than Charlotte, including Becky Lynch. I don't know where they're going with this. Charlotte goes out to shake her hand, and Becky kind of laughs at her, and raises the belt <laughs> nobody want nobody like they're making the heel the face and the face the heel or the wwe's clueless i'm not sure which one i'm not sure which one but you know good good for becky yeah they put the belt on her i just didn't expect the title change and we got that becky lynch a new smackdown women's champion and i i guess they'll continue that feud into nassau coliseum at the women's evolution pay-per-view the dolph drew mcintyre rollins ambrose match you know, we talk about making Roman look strong. They're all about making Drew McIntyre look strong. There was a sequence in this match. Are you impressed how well I was able to pay attention? And I seriously watched every Giant play, too. I'm telling you, you'll hear it You know, when I talk about the Giants on the fan. I have this ability, I guess, to just, you know, I don't really have any ability. I don't know what the hell I was doing. I was glancing from left to right. But anyhow, let me get to my point. There was a sequence where Rollins super kicked him twice and then frog splashed on him, and he still kicked out. I mean, they're making McIntyre look like a beast. I don't know where it's going. A lot of people like him. I'm not sure where it's going. Is McIntyre a future champion? I don't know. But Dolph got the pin on Seth, and the camera screwed it up. because. And maybe the sound was better because, again, I'm on mute. But I look over, and all I saw was the ref's hand come down once for the three I figure with these four guys, I call them the four schmucks, they're all leading to splits. Eventually, Rollins-Ambrose will be a feud. I think that was their plan last year, and I figure Dean will be the heel. And maybe even Dolph McIntyre. It'll be another way to put McIntyre over and make him look strong, because Dolph's not going anywhere. I mean, Dolph's been in this business for 25 years. What's he done? He's actually had some really good moments. I shouldn't say, what's he done? I guess my the better statement would be, where's he going? And the answer is, probably nowhere but the mid-card. Now, here's what pissed me off. A.J. Joe. I mean, they are just taking the WWE title, and they're flushing it down the toilet. This is the WWE title match. In fact, I know Brock coming back is the big surprise, so you end the show that way. I thought the ending of A.J. Joe was better to close the pay-per-view than the ending of Roman Reigns' Braun Strowman, where we didn't even get a winner. I know we had controversy in A.J. Joe, all right, the whole... Joe thinks AJ tapped out. AJ reversed the, what's that move called? The Kamiya Clutch, the Karaka Clutch, the Kalona Clutch, the something clutch. 
What do you want me to tell you? The, the whatever clutch. So you have the controversy. And by the way, how many times have we seen WWE, WCW, these these endings that leave you, there wasn't a winner. Oh, my God. He pinned him. He tapped out. I mean, the WWE's kind of used that a lot. Didn't they do that with Lesnar Taker a couple of years ago at SummerSlam where uh, Brock was passing out? And no, I guess that wasn't a good example. They, they've done it plenty of times, trust me. There was a Ricky Steamboat Ric Flair match way back in the day with the double pin. Usually it's the double pin. In this case, it was the tap-out pin. And look, when they put that match in the middle of the card, A, you know AJ's not losing the title, and I've said it many times before, I don't want him to lose the title. And you knew they were going to continue the, the feud. And I don't know how long they're going to take it. So they announced on the show tonight they're going to fight at that Australian event. Of course, it won't be the main event. It's got to be two uh, senior citizens fighting each other for the 57th time ever. But they're telling us it's the last time ever when, trust me, it won't be the last time ever. They'll probably do it five years from now when each of them are in their 60s. Anyhow, I regress or digress. Joe AJ needs to main event at some point. And I don't know when they end the feud. They may take it to Survivor Series. That wouldn't surprise me. And that could be their big conclusion, which I hope leads to AJ retaining. I don't mean this with any disrespect to Samoa Joe. I love the idea of AJ holding on to this title even longer. And if if they continue this in a Survivor Series with the belt around AJ, he'll go a full year. Because remember, he won the title right before Survivor Series when they realized that the idea of Brock Lesnar fighting Jinder Mahal was a horrible idea. So they quickly got the belt off Jinder and put it on AJ. And AJ Lesnar was a great match at Survivor Series. It was a non-title match. It was an exhibition, if you will. But it was a cool match. Uh, Ms. Maurice Daniel Bryan Bray. So, I, so here's the thing about this. I, I, I don't know what the hell they're doing. All right? Like, okay, so Ms. beat Daniel Bryan at SummerSlam. Fine. Now they involve the women. And I don't mean to disrespect Maurice or Bray. But we don't need this in this feud. This is a great feud between Daniel Bryan and The Miz. It's fantastic. And I think they can just carry it for the next five months. Uh, on the SummerSlam podcast, the dude I did it with, Dennis, suggested have them get away from each other and then actually fight at WrestleMania. And you could do a long build that way. That's fine. Getting the women involved, Bree and Maurice, I don't know. What's the point? And the answer to that question, because it's not that rhetorical, or maybe it is rhetorical, is the point is they're trying to drag this out. That's the point. So now it's 2 nothing in favor of Miz and Maurice. And as Maurice was pinning Bree, because it wasn't going to be Miz pinning Daniel Bryan again, as Maurice was pinning Bree, it hit me. I get it. Okay, so now they're going to push. They're up 2 nothing. Why do we even fight them anymore? We own them. I guess Daniel Bryan is fighting the Miz at that super showdown thing with a title shot on the line. Doesn't Daniel Bryan have to win, though? Is he going to go down 3 nothing? Unless that's the build. Maybe the build is. Maybe this is the answer, as I try to figure this out. Maybe the answer is the Miz beats Daniel Bryan again. And now he's 3-for-3, three three and it's a clear-cut victory for Bryan. He becomes depressed, down in the dumps. Maybe I shouldn't have come back. I don't know what I'm doing. Miz beats AJ. Like, takes advantage of... Of his title shot at Survivor Series, takes the title from AJ, Brian wins the Rumble, and then we do get Miz versus Daniel Bryan. Maybe that is the plan. Because 
if you think about it, and I'm thinking about it right now, because I really haven't given it any thought until I started talking about it at this very moment, Daniel Bryan's not going to beat the Miz at Super Showdown because he's not going to get the title shot. It's too soon for that. The Miz is going to win, right? So the Miz is going to win. He's going to be 3-0 against Daniel Bryan. He's going to get his title shot and move on from Daniel Bryan, and then they'll get back together at WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah, there you go. We've all figured it out, even though that was been suggested, but now we know how they're going to get there. The Ronda Rousey-Alexa Bliss thing, I, I just, I mean, look, we can't take it seriously. That's the problem with Ronda Rousey. She's too good. There's nobody that can get in the ring with her where you take it very seriously. So they had to do a schmoz and injured ribs to even make the match competitive. Then she wins. I don't know. Ronda's awesome. She's really good. I, I like her in the ring. I think she's got a lot of skills. She's gotten better and better. I don't know where you go with her because there's a lot of women on the roster that you just can't take seriously being in the ring with her. So that'd be my critique on that. Did I just cover everything? Did I get through this hell in the cell nice and cleanly? And now I can go back to finishing the Giant game and just crying about the jet loss today? I will say I did have one positive thing. My fantasy teams, I have two of them. And I don't like having two of them. The only reason I have two fantasy teams is that Ernie Acosta, the producer of the Midday Show last year, told me about, hey, you really got to try doing um, auction leagues. And I've heard about it, but I've never tried it. So we tried it last year, set up an auction league. I didn't care that much about it. And I, I kind of enjoyed the auction draft. So this year I said, all right, you know, I'm going to take it more seriously. So that's the other team I have. I know a lot of people who play fantasy have 12 teams, five teams. I don't really even like having two teams. But the idea of, a, of an auction was so different and I was so excited about it this year, I said, okay, I'm in. And I got to tell you, maybe I'm just a broken clock. I'm going to be 2-0 in both leagues, baby. That's right. Travis Kelsey actually showed up this week. That was fun to see. Matt Ryan, how about Matt Ryan getting in the end zone twice? I mean, it's, it's one thing for Matt Ryan to throw a couple of touchdown passes. Two rushing touchdowns, two passing touchdowns, not too bad. But all of this that I just said means crap. Because the Jets reminded us who the hell they are. And that's the Jets. Anyhow, I hope you enjoyed the Hell in a Cell slash Jet Bitching edition of the Evan Roberts podcast. Programming note, I'm very excited about this one. I hope you guys are. Uh, I will be airing a podcast later this week, probably Wednesday or Thursday. It will be a discussion about the hit TV show, The Affair. Uh, I've mentioned on the air that me and my wife have really gotten into this show. We've watched two of the four seasons. So I said to her, you know what we should do? And she said, what's that, baby? And I said, you should come into my podcast office, as I call it, also known as her office, and we should talk about the affair. And then maybe we should air it as a special edition of the Evan Roberts podcast. And, you know, all 37 people that are interested will download it and they'll hear, you know, husband and wife breaking down the affair. And she said, you know what, Ev? Or, you know what, baby? Because she doesn't call me Ev. That's a good idea. So we've done it. I thought it was fun. I'll air it later this week. We'll call it the affair edition of the Evan Roberts podcast. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. And remember, don't miss Joe Beningo and Evan Roberts Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. on WFAN. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.